Hello and welcome to Be Powerful with Liz and Lee. It's a new day and we're so glad you're here. So you can expect to hear candid conversations on what it means to be powerful. Live authentically, live in the midst of ups and downs, productively, and above all else, joyfully. We are so thankful for you, our community of listeners, and we hope you enjoy today's show. Hi, everybody. Hi, Liz. Hi, Lee. Hi, everybody. How are you today? Uh, Very, very, very questionable. How are you? (laughs) I'm okay. We're one for two then, so that's good. Good. I'm doing great. Yeah. I'm doing great. Your neck's tight. It's a little tight. Does it look tight? No, but that's probably just some metaphor for whatever you're feeling tight about. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you look lovely. I'm coming in hot. Um, Makeup on a pig, lipstick on a pig. You taught a great class today. Oh, you thought so? Yeah, it was good. Really good. Thank you, baby. Yeah. It was fun. It's um, Martin Luther King Day. That's right. We're not going to get this till Tuesday. Thursday. Right, right, right. Yeah, but that's the week that we're in. So a lot of people are in. My daughter got to come to class that was fun what when she came to the 15 and then she went to babysit she's just pam missy mr mr okay um so anyway it is thursday i'm leading this train because this is gonna be all about you oh god you know of all the days i i don't know if i want it to be about me today well let's do a trial and see how it feels because this is what we're doing all right it is thursday january the 18th 18th fast math and in two days it is your 70th birthday and i know we've talked about it a lot a lot and da, da, da. i think people are tired of hearing about it they're not i'm not yeah and what? so you, 70 is a big deal you yeah. have spent six decades being you yeah and i want to talk <laughs> this about was it. no yeah <laughs> not a cakewalk at not least cakewalk. it's not today yeah it's okay and yeah. that's the whole point yeah that you know people look at us and listen, we're just gorgeous. And we're so <laughs> talented. Yeah, and you're so smart funny. and pretty. And uh, so we got to show them there's an underbelly every now and then, yeah? Uh, this is probably a, uh, We don't have to show them the underbelly. We're not going to show them the just underbelly. Just know it's there. Yeah. It's yeah. there. I mean, in, 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 you know, full disclosure, you know, just, you know, some days you get a lot of news coming your way. And, you know, and you, doesn't matter how old you are, you think you've got your ducks in a row. And um, sometimes your ducks get out of row. They get out of order. And I feel like this morning I've, I've been like herding ducks from different areas of the community. Like community. some are still in Steel Creek. And I just need to get them back into the more inner city area. Let's anyway, go, Doc. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, That's I'm funny. a little scattered. It's, it's, okay. it's funny. I mean, I, I generally come on to this podcast just ready to rock and roll. And, and you go, hey, let's interview you today for your 70th birthday. I'm like, Jesus oh. Christ, I feel like I'm turning 90. <laughs> Well, you've got 20 years to that. So that puts it in perspective. And that's a really long time. Not really. (laughs) These decades kind of fly by, by by the way. They really do. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, Um, truly. So let's give it a go, even though you're feeling a little cringy to yourself, but not to the rest of us. Um, And just see what it feels like. Okay. Okay. So I kind of want to just break it down (laughs) and go back. Between the years yes. of zero and ten. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, are see, we gonna go are great. we like doing like eras? This is like a Yeah, like an like, eras tour. This is like an eras tour. Oh, yeah. my, my era from zero to ten. Yeah. Oh, full bliss. You're a kid. Come on. All right. So let's well, go back. Okay. Do you know your birth story? Yes, I do. Tell us. Oh, my birth story. No. I mean, I just say big deal. It's January 20th. My mother is in Concord. It's pouring snow. My dad was to drive through the snow. Yeah. Oh. She was in labor for like three days. That's before they made you do all those things to get, get the baby out. <laughs> and um, I was born colicky and a mess, but I had a blast. Do you know what time of day you were born? Yeah, 7.43 in the morning. I am, as a matter of fact, I had my chart read like yeah. several years ago. <clears throat> I went through several years thinking I was straight up Aquarian, but I'm actually straight up Capricorn. Ooh, which I'm, makes I'm sense. not as smart as this. Which one? Like 20th is the end. Are 20, you the I'm, end a cusp, of, I'm a cusp baby. Which comes first? Uh, first is Capricorn. Okay, so we're in Aquarius. Capricorn, and then yes. after your birthday, it changes to Aquarius. Jesus was a Capricorn. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. Um, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, no, no, no. And so, but funny. I have a rising uh, moon in Leo. What no, does that I'm, mean? I'm sorry. My uh, my moon 
my moon is rising in Leo and okay. I have something else going on in, <laughs> in Aquarius. So why am I going into astrology, which I know well, no, zero I think about. You don't know zero. Well, I know. I know enough that, you know, I can you know, make a fool out of myself. But no, no, I do know it. I mean, Capricorns are generally uh-huh. uh, very grounded, very, okay. you know, take material things and make them happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, I think a lot of people that own a business, like I own a business, right. are, are Capricorn. Okay. It's kind of a thing we do. And then what's your Aquarius part of you? Oh, my airy fairy, let's just not worry ah. about it. Let's just be creative and let's like pull all the elements from the earth and the sky and the trees and the birds and the things that happen in my head that you always go, it's so huh? weird. Your head is like <laughs> everywhere. Phil. That's my Aquarian influence. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So we'll just kind of Bookmark that. You didn't ask me to about the see, Leo. I, I'm about to. To is like a, a guiding light of who you are and how that reflects later in your life. Okay. But what about the Leo? Leo, rising moon and Leo. Leo or something? Leo's the king. Is the queen? <laughs> is the sun? Um, you know Leos in your life. You anybody that's a Leo, you're going to know it. Um, actually, my daughter's Claire, Leo. Yeah. Yeah. And my uh, okay, my sun sign is in Capricorn. My moon is rising in Leo. Okay. So I have the emotional thing ah. of Leo. Got it. So, um, you've got a lot going on. I've got a lot going on. It's great. I've got water. I've got the sun. I've got the moon. Whatever. I'm good. Yeah. I'm 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 ground. (laughs) I'm grounded and I'm creative. That's a great combo. Yeah. Okay. So you you come out of the womb in Concord (laughs) on a snowy (laughs) day. Actually, I came out of the womb in Charlotte because they didn't have a a working. Well, my mother was like a a hospital snob, I believe, because we actually had a hospital in Concord, but she made my dad drive um, to Charlotte. To Charlotte, and I was born at like Presby. Yeah, I was born at Memorial. It's now uh, CMC. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I was born and then, you know, I don't know. I don't know. All this Were thing. you named right then? Oh, this is the best part. So I was, I'm Elizabeth Isabel Clary is my name. Beautiful. With a Hilliard on the end now. And, um, and my dad took one look at me and he mm-hmm. said, oh, she's too round and soft and sweet and cuddly. We have to call her Liz because Elizabeth is too long of a name. Okay. <laughs> so you were always going to be Elizabeth, but not necessarily Liz. No, I was the minute my dad, my dad's just named me. He just went, oh. she's Liz, period. Done. Got it. I mean, I'm Elizabeth Isabel Clary. Hillary. But are, okay, are Elizabeth and Isabel from anybody? Are they your namesake? It, yes. Or? Um, I think, I think we are. But I mean, uh, my. We? All of Well, my mother is Elizabeth. I, I'm my mother's namesake. Oh, okay. Um, my granddaughter, Aubrey, is Aubrey Elizabeth. It's mm-hmm. a family name we just traditionally uh-huh. carry down. So that's that. What about Isabel? That was an Isabel aunt? is another version of Elizabeth, by the way. It Spain. is. Spain. Yeah. It's, uh, it, you know, it's Isabel and Elizabeth are sort of interactive. Oh. And did you not know that? Yeah. So I mean, it makes Isabel, total yeah. sense. And that's I, so interesting. I just think if I'd been born like in, in 2000s, um, they would have called me Bella or something. Izzy. Yeah, or Izzy or something. But yeah, Liz. It was just straight up Liz. Straight, straight up Liz. I mean, the minute I like, Liz you know, was, Clary. was you know, carried out of the hospital, right? Oh. Yeah. Okay. So now you're home and you say you're colicky. So you're, oh, you're who remembers a that bad stuff? baby. I just remember being a baby. I, I mean, I love being a baby. How do you remember being a baby? I remember, the, I've told you this before I know. on this podcast. Like I recall the, in the, crib. Uh, the, the crib, crib rails. Crib rails, those things. That, you know, I was like, this is not fair. I can't climb up. I remember like, how do I get out of here? You know, so, and maybe they kept me in the crib too long. I don't know, but I recall it <laughs> clearly. I recall getting my diapers changed. I okay. recall, um, I recall being up on the shoulder of uh, our housekeeper Blanche uh-huh. as she like talked to me and sang and vacuumed and did things. And I really loved it up there. That was fun. Up there. I loved I it up there. Hi. I remember being held being by cuddled. my dad up on his shoulders and all Aww. those things. So you have vivid, vivid recollections child. of oh, happy childhood. Of fact, that's what I wrote in my blog that came out this week. I hope you read it because it's like when I was this little kid, I was born just knowing mm. how great life was. And I had didn't, and I'm, luckily for me, I was born in a, into a non-abusive home and to parents that loved me. And I remember getting up every single day, clearly every single day, running into my parents' bedroom, Aww. jumping up and down on the bed, screaming, I am the, I am the spirit of Liz made like a whiz. And they were like, I think after about the you know year of that, they were like, "We've got it." 
<laughs> we know. You don't have to do that every Go to morning. bed. That is you not, need to stay like in a your rooster. room, jump on your own bed, and <laughs> stay out of here. Um, but no, it was really, I just had this happy, joyous. Right. I loved being Idyllic. a kid. Love but do you remember, obviously, Pete, your brother, was how much older? Five years. Five. Mm-hmm. And so what was that relationship, oh. if there was one at that I mean, point? I, I slept in. I mean, okay. he's so much older. I had a crib, and then I slept with my brother. <laughs> And and I remember when we finally moved into a bigger house and I was put in my own room, my mother was furious with me because I would not sleep in my own bed. Mm -hmm. I would always go sleep with my brother and he would always go, mom, get Liz out of here. She won't stay out of here. And that might sound weird or something, but I was, I always slept with Pete. He was was my roommate. It was a comfort. Oh yeah. Yeah. And this is in Concord still. Yes. We, the house that I've seen, like South Union, yeah, the stone house. The is mayor, that the house? I live in the mayor's house. The mayor oh, lived there for a while. Hey. Um, anyway, there we were not the mayor. Trust me. Um, yeah, it was South Union. It was actually I was born in <laughs> Concord. You gotta love Concord. I was born in Beverly Hills. <laughs> that Be- was the name of the neighborhood. Beverly Hills in Concord, and That's then awesome. my dad went bankrupt because mm-hmm. our his shoe store burned down, and we had to like abscond with our no money to this kind of poorer area, uh-huh. whereas where I remember sleeping with Pete all the time. And then when we got a little money back, we moved into a nicer home, which is now the one where the mayor lives, which, That's, by yeah, the okay. way, it's not some mansion or something. It's just a nice house on uh, South Boulevard, South Union. And uh, I had my own room, but I slept with Pete anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's a tight relationship. We had a good relationship. Do you remember culturally kind of life outside of your self and your house? Like Yes. The you church. Know, okay. Church. <laughs> TV. The church. Clothing. Like yeah. what do you recall? Uh yeah, friends. Church. Okay, here's my my childhood, uh, real quick. Because we got a decades right to go, but really from <laughs> from zero to whatever age I started dating. Um, I was running wild. Yeah. Like outside of the house. And I always, that's what we talked about in the last podcast. Yeah. I had a housekeeper that said, you are not to come into the Miss Liz, you are out the door. Do not mess up my house between X and X, meaning I couldn't have come in the house. Yeah. So I just had this life of adventure, which is the Play. greatest thing I could have been given as a gift. Um, and then when I wasn't playing and having a blast with my friends, I was forced in church. Okay, <laughs> and when I say force, I was forced. I mean, I used to show up, and my mother I was like, "What do I do with her?" I, I would show up. I would take my panties off in the back seat of the car <laughs> and show up in church in my lacy little outfit with no panties, no on. underwear. I don't even know what I was thinking. What? I'm like, "What am I going to do here?" It was troublesome for my goodness. Parents. Oh goodness. <laughs> oh. Goodness, the Baptist freewheelers here. It wasn't I was doing anything wrong. I was just like, hey, I'm free. Take these off. I'm going to take my – because they were also those awful lacy panties. They're like tight around the thighs. Who wears those? Little kids. Mm -mm. Okay, so that's the play. That's the church. Uh Yeah, school. Well, no, no. You know, honestly, (laughs) I mean, even going into first grade where I loved my very first grade teacher, Miss Gillian, Jillian, Gillian. um, I really, I like that. I just didn't like the part about sitting still in class. If you had to go back, my brother used to go, I've been a thing, gone back and studied. You had all kinds of issues like ADD or something. (laughs) Because like, I, we didn't go into school no, I think being a third child was sure. interesting. <laughs> the, the high point was I was just lo- allowed to do whatever I want because they were exhausted. Right. They right. had like, my sister was 13 years old, uh-huh. my brother's five, and they were just exhausted. And they're like, is she still alive? Bring her in for dinner, you know? <laughs> um, and then the the downside was where I'm, they right. probably had really focused more on that. I was never taught to read or do anything. Yeah, no one was like, I was read a book. Yeah, I had to read my, I knew all about the 12 disciples because I was force fed that before bed. Right. With this picture book. And I did like some of, Philip was one of my favorite ones. There you go. He was a good looking disciple. Uh, I think it's Philip. Yeah, anyway. Um, Yeah. That's a good takeaway. Yeah, I didn't have a great experience uh, in school, if you read my book, uh, third grade, I was told by my teacher mm-hmm. that I was bad and she used to hit my hand every day with a mm-hmm. ruler and tell me that I would never go to the fourth grade. 
guess what? You made it. I baby. made it to the fourth grade. You made grade. it to the fourth grade with flying colors. There's always one of those in our lives. And, yeah. You know, ultimately that ends up being the turnaround. Yes. Of, for hopefully for most of us of a fire lit rather than a fire extinguished. And even within. if the fire is not lit then, because the fire wasn't lit then. then I wasn't upset. Then. I mean, I was upset as in downtrodden. I was like, oh, you're bad. But the fire that lasted was the one that I said, again, in the book was, she's my greatest teacher because she taught me not only what not to do, but the power and the strength right. of an, what an adult's influence can have in your life. Because yeah. she twisted my life as, as far as self-confidence, right, which was super low in self-doubt for a long time until I became an adult. Mm -hmm. And so I really believed her. Because mm. nobody else came back and said, no, she's wrong. Right. Well, and so. that's so painful for children to have any sort of adult or authoritarian figure. You know, that was pretty directly intentional about yeah. what she was saying. But I mean, it is so important to recognize the words and the actions and the right. modeling that we say for these little spongy minds. Yes. Even the most, you know inane thing that's not mo meant to be harmful mm -hmm. really can be. And so that's yeah. got to be balanced out because we're all going to make mistakes, you know, yes. as adults or guides for our children, yeah. but balanced with that, like l so much love. I think the intention has to come behind your words because when I think mm. about her intentions, of course her intentions were not about me as much as they were her sure. own things she was dealing with. And she was you know, she just didn't like the way I was behaving and I yeah. was not doing well. And she right, told me I was stupid. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I was watching that show that you and I love, This yeah. Is Us. Yeah. And even when you have an, it's really sweet if y'all hadn't seen this show on Netflix, but even when you have the intention of really the best for your daughter and she's got a heavy overweight daughter in this mm -hmm. series. And there's a sweet scene where her daughter goes, mommy, I just had fruit today. And even I bet the intentions of a mother who's got a daughter with an issue of eating is never to be, oh, I want to hear of you bite, you eat. Yeah. But she probably wanted to make her feel, you know, it's just, it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. yeah. So the intention we put behind our words to our kids, even if they're the wrong words, I believe, can be felt through our intention. So if we're coming with intention of love, if we say the wrong words, which we will inevitably sure. every single day we'll probably do it. I think it can, it, I think it can be okay for the kids. Right. I know it can't. Right. Yeah. And I mean, this is, I'm not trying to go off on a tangent. Just one quick thing. It's like trying to be quiet for a minute when our kids come to us with something, mm. because I think there's such a reaction. Maybe it's somebody else who harmed them or said something, or maybe it's some way they've disobeyed oh, or yeah. disappointed us. And so waiting a second, yeah to take a deep breath because I think, you know, those daggers can come out and they don't have the armor. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard to kind of deal with it. But anyway, yeah. so, you know, we go into decade two where, <laughs> Oh, we're already in, there. we're already in there. We're, we're in there where there's, you know, a bit of a, between say, 10 shift, and 20, 10 and 20, Whew. not so that was dynamic. Peachy keen. Dynamic. That was dynamic. That's a good word. Dynamic. Boy, dynamic. That second decade, really, really that decade, you know, Did the it. one that starts when you're going through puberty. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, it was again, you know, tale of the two cities, the best of times and the worst of times. Right. Right, right, right. What's I mean, the best? The best was my experience in high school mm -hmm. was the best. I was star athlete. I had the cutest boyfriend. I had a blast. I also remember I had an abortion. I also was failing, not failing school. I was being told again that I was not doing well. That um, Your father died. My father died um, when I was 16. Yeah. That's very, you know... What the what is the word I'm trying to find? Um, devastating. Yeah, devastating. Yep. Um, and that was a surprise because that wasn't a buildup. He had a he had a massive heart attack, mm -hmm. or he had the he had a heart attack, and then he was home from the hospital for two weeks. And again, that's before bypass surgery and all these things. Mm -hmm. This is 1970. I was a sophomore in high school and I had a new boyfriend. Uh. And I was told to stay home with him. And I didn't. I went off, had a big, big time with my boyfriend, came home, and there was an ambulance in my driveway. And they he had had a heart a second heart attack, which he did not recover from. Mm -hmm. 
And so that took me some years of therapy to roll through. No, that wasn't my fault, of course. I was a 16-year-old. But my mom had run off and run run out to do something. And she'd said, just stay home with your dad. No big deal. But I'll be back in a little while. And my boyfriend said, hey, come down the street with me, play basketball, do something. And I did. And that, you know, the guilt you carry. Sure. I I couldn't have done anything. I mean, but I did. That was a rough time. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. And so right after that, of course, I got myself in trouble. Right. I know. <laughs> but I do think you've shared with me and feel free to share it or not. Yeah. The moments you had with your dad before oh, he did die. The best. the best. See, again, these tragedies are so beautiful. And the, and now that I'm going to be 70 and I can look back and see the wholeness of my life. Oh, the moments I had of those two weeks, because when he came home from the hospital before he actually died... Um, they told him, I thought this is funny. First of all, they said, you need to have like a little alcoholic drink before you go to bed. <laughs> Who does that to a partition? They didn't have anything to wow. come So he didn't drink and he started drinking screwdrivers at night. Oh my God. Uh, but he had one. Uh, but anyway, every day he went on a walk and I, he, I would go with him. So I would, he would wait on me to get home from school. And again, I'm 16. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, and I was terrified because I didn't want to lose my dad. But we would just have these great conversations. And now that I think back on the conversations, he was setting me up for his death. Right. Right. And what a gift that is. And it what is. a painful gift. And mm-hmm. you had that. I mean, I'm glad that there were those two weeks. And I'm sorry that he died when you were so young. And I'm sorry that you weren't there, but you didn't do anything wrong. Oh, I know now. I know. I know. (laughs) But the the beauty of him is uh, he, yeah, I'm a lot like him. I know. And so I like that part. I love that part. So you found yourself then pregnant. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) circle of life. Circle of life. You want to talk about it? I mean, no, that was interesting. No, and I will tell this story and I think I might've told it on the podcast maybe when we first started. Um, during, it was so weird. My dad died in February and this is 1970. And my brand new wonderful boyfriend's dad died oh, in yeah. June of the same year of a right. heart attack. Mm. And we felt like we were these two people on an island of grief that we didn't know anybody Any, our yeah. age. No, there was nobody our age whose fathers had died. Yeah. And so one of the things that I say that I know is we really found comfort in each other. Yeah. Well, we started having sex. Makes absolutely perfect sense now. Right. And um, and we knew, you know, the consequences of that could happen, but you know, I'm sorry. We were in the middle of grief and we had this love. We had a really deep love. It was a great high school love. And I found myself pregnant by the following February. Mm. And that was before Roe versus Wade, which you can look back at that podcast. And right. I, I hope you will. I hope you'll dial that one back because that that's why it's so important to me to be a spokesperson right. for any, and an advocate for uh, for the right of every woman and every everybody to have access to health care, but particularly to reproductive health care and to abortion. Abortion is not an easy... It's, it's the most horrible thing I've ever, one of them. Now there are a lot of things, but at that point it was quite devastating. But the other end of that would have been much more devastating. Right. And that's the truth. And that's I know truth. that to be the truth. For you. For, for me. Mm-hmm. And, I, we, and that's what matters. Exactly. And that I'm was proud a, of you. Thanks. I mean, I, I my mom was, the, my mother yeah. was the strength there. Yeah. My mother... Gonna, to have lost her husband. My mother lost her to husband. to have a child come home and say, I'm pregnant. Can you that's imagine... Not, she, she's like, wait, what? Yeah. So, yeah. and my mother was a Baptist Sunday school teacher uh, who happened to be on the board of the Florence Crittenden home here in Charlotte, which is the home for unwed, unwed mothers. So she was active in helping unwed mothers have housing and food and help in getting jobs or the next steps in life. And she took it upon herself to say, I will not put you through that. Right. And she found ways. First of all, she had to find the money. We were broke. My dad mm-hmm, died mm-hmm. not with any money. And second of all, it was illegal to have an abortion, but you could do it on these certain things. So she had sure. to, we had to go to th- two different psychologists. We had to go to several doctors. 
two doctors at least. I keep thinking twos, twos. There okay. was rules in place. And the, I, you know, when you think back of a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, I was so like blindly going into these appointments and they were asking the same questions to me over and over again. And I, I, I was terrified. It was the most, it was the most horrific thing. So no, having an abortion was not a highlight, no. and, but I would do it's it. A, I would do it again. Low light maybe. <laughs> yeah, it was, I would do right. it again. And I would, and I hope that we can do this for our children now, our women right. that are young adults, that we will not force them, them to give birth to a child. Yeah when the circumstances are not going to work. Right. And it is to me so criminal that we would do this to a young girl. It really is. It's, uh, and I know that the other side of that would say it's criminal not to allow a child to sure. come in. But you know, it's always between you, God and your doctor. Yes. It's not between you and your congressman and your doctor. So we kind of skirt, you know, just glaze past second decade of death, pregnancy, high school, college, <laughs> boyfriends, it's all such, the things. Um, you do a stint at Elon. Oh, yeah. No, it was, I mean. Fighting I, Christians. Fighting Christians. Hell, yeah. That's what used to be. I loved it. I mean, you know, I, again, I was told I was not uh, very smart Gotta by go anybody. To college. I, I mean, I, I have this in the book, too, about the teacher that told me, and I was making like a B in her class, for God's sakes, yeah. that I should be an airline stewardess and not think about going to, sc to school or to college. And I was like, what? Anyway, another crash and burn, you know. Again, thank you. Mrs. Stewart, you're now dead, so I'll say your name. Um, <laughs> you just lifted me back up. I mean, the, right. every time somebody crashed me and burned me to the ground, I just went, well, but hey, look at me. I'm here. I, I'm, I can you're think Liz straight. I'm, I'm the spirit of Liz, made like a whiz, so watch this. <laughs> so I went you're to You're so lucky. Had you a have that. Yeah. Yeah. I, you really have that. And, don't, and that's why I say, don't. Don't try to crush any of these great spirits that are coming into this world. We have an innate knowledge that we're incredible humans, all of us. Mm -hmm. And the minute we start telling them that they're not, some of us forget faster than others, but we all forget. But somewhere I kept it. it Good kept for you. It. Yeah. Good for you. You so, always have. You're yeah. an inspiration Thanks. for sure that way against all odds, really. Thank you. You know? Well, it feels like it sometimes. <laughs> okay. So do we, like, do you want to fill us in on anything else or good, oh. like, three proposals? Oh, no, no. <laughs> three proposals. Whoa. How about three acceptances? Um, right, right, right. Yeah. No, I mean, no, I had a great time at Elon for that year and a half or two years <laughs> that they allowed me to be there. No, I actually had to, I had to bow out. Uh, I was letting my grades fall, but my sure. mom couldn't afford it anymore. So... I to decided to come. No, I really, my, my mom was going to like do whatever she needed to do, but of course. I decided to bite the bullet and go to, which is a great community college, Central Piedmont, get my dental hygiene license. and uh, Which is impressive. And become the very first entrepreneur in my family. <laughs> I was a, a <laughs> dental hygienist entrepreneur. Anyhow. This was in your 20s? Yeah, I was 22. Three, okay. Like so you're back in Charlotte working mm -hmm. as you go to dental hygiene school. You work as a dental hygienist for like multiple people. You're making a ton of money. It's gross. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That was an exaggeration. You don't make a ton of money in 19, whatever that was, 78 or something. Sure. Oh, I wasn't even 77. born yet. 77. I was, I was working on commission though. I just, yeah. I did myself a deal. First of all, I'm like, Hey, I've got some skills. I've got these, I've got my little hat and my little pen. I've got, you know, <laughs> passed the national and state boards. I went to two different dentists, put myself on a commission so that I was making it one dental place, 50% of my pay. The other was making mm -hmm. 40. That's simply That's unknown. These strong. I've never known anybody that did that. <laughs> I, I look back at that. And I'm like, that was pretty smart. I should be, I could still be doing that. Except I would die if I had to oh, Look in somebody's mouth. <laughs> it was a good start, though. I loved it. No, good it was start. And like, are you just living in an apartment? Where oh, are you yeah. living? No, I went from. Okay, this is my favorite part. I went to. I got out of Central Piedmont, which, um, and then I got out straight A's, killed it. Got a job, and then got a second Dating job because professor? I went. Hey, I'm not gonna live in Concord. I lived. Okay. I, I didn't live with my mom another second. Got I was it. like, thanks, mom. I'm out. Found an apartment. Foxcroft East was where they were, right yeah. behind Country Day. They yeah. were brand new. Nice apartments. I mean, it was nice. <laughs> I got myself some, you know, 
furniture. And I was making real money and bought my very first car. Car. Oh, it's going to go into that. First the, car, baby. Because nobody bought me a car. And I was like hooking ride, hooking rides, hitching rides Hitching. with whoever I could find. My mom was taking me to school every day. So when I bought my first car, I bought the TR7, mm -hmm. a British racing green. That was absolutely, it was similar to my car I drive now. Like there's no, it's not about the function. It's about the, <laughs> the look. It's about the ride, you know, okay. it's about the experience. I mean, I wasn't a mechanic and this was a serious, serious car. Racing. It was a car that, you know, you better know what you're doing in this car. It was a stick shift. All my brand new cars were stick shifts. But why before that car were you so into cars if you'd never had a car? Because I wanted one. <laughs> and I went, well, hell, I'm making some money now. I'm going to go out and buy myself a nice car. Okay. I've never bought a bad car. No, I know. And I have been hungry because I'm, I mean, I will, I'll go without food and clothing for before. Yeah. I, I know how weird that sounds, but you no, know what? I mean, I own that and that's the way I feel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going back to like culturally, besides yes. those things that has ha have happened in mm -hmm. your life, schooling, family, mm -hmm. what was going on in the world around you, 60s mm -hmm. and 70s that felt impactful during well, God, can you imagine times? growing up during the Vietnam yeah. War? No. Can you imagine? Uh, my, my brother is, you know, doing all the, he's like, throwing chairs and desks through windows in Chapel Hill. Protesting. Protesting. Um, I just kept wishing that I was just a little older then. Really? I wanted to be a part of that. Oh, wow. I really wanted to be a part of the Vietnam protest, but I was too young. I was like still, you know, middle school or something. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up during the Vietnam thing. I remember being a freshman to Elon when Nixon, the president then, he stopped, the war stopped. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me go back there for a minute. The very first thought I remember about the Vietnam War and being at Elon the first freshman year was they stopped the draft. And my boyfriend at the ah. time was high in the draft. Wow. And so they pulled the draft and then we got out of Vietnam. And that was like, that was huge. And then the 70s happened. <laughs> hey. And then it was Let's like some fun. platforms and do a little dance, make a little love, were you, get I down mean, tonight. You and know? you were all up in it. Oh, are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> Disco, baby. That Disco. Was that was me. Or the whole thing. It was so, it was so much fun. And but I remember, you make fun of Disco now. That is because I came up with my brother, Pete, yeah. who was five years older than me. He's coming out of um, – he didn't go to Vietnam. He went to Germany. Mites. He ended up being like a really smart, cool guy in the, in the Army because he just – volunteered. He realized he was screwing up at Chapel Hill. So he got himself out and volunteered, <laughs> got himself into Germany. When he comes back, he's like, Liz, are you kidding me? The music of the seventies sucks. I mean, and he's like comparing it to the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, okay. to Jimi Hendrix. And yeah. he was correct. Yeah. And so here we've got the Bee Gees. <laughs> We've got, well, Elton John was cool and we've got, we had, you know, we had Joni Mitchell, but they yes. had all come sort of from the end of the sixties. So my genre, I am more, I am more David Bowie, more, you know, more from Joni Mitchell, side of more of that, more moody, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I liked Elton John when you did, uh, you know, Yellow Brick Road, right. all that sort of thing. So, but that was the beginning of the seventies. And then, <laughs> and then disco hit. Oh, Donna, Donna Summers. Yeah. All that. All right. Go, roll me through your men. Go ahead. Oh God. That we don't. Well, not all of them. Not all of them. <laughs> Which the highlights? Yeah. The ones who proposed to you. Oh, okay. And then your okay. husband. These are going to be the proposed, the people that proposed to me. Yes. Okay. Number one. Okay. Number one was there, there was a dentist and our dental student in Chapel Hill that I was dating at the same time I was dating a guy at Elon. Okay. And I, they didn't ask me at the exact same time, but it was within the last, you know, couple months of each other. And I accepted from both of them <laughs> because. Were there rings? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's hard for me to say <laughs> that. Yeah. Um, so you just in your head were like, I can just keep doing this. And, well, no, I know. I mean, just, it was just like rolling side, you know, I had Elon, I had, it Listen, I was I was hedging my bets. I had come up hard. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. Besides, the one in Chapel Hill was kind of, he was, oh my God, he was cute. He was so cute. And but he was a little, I didn't know. And then the one in, in uh, Elon was, they were both interesting humans. Anyway, I just, I had those two. 
<laughs> and they're the ones who then I got caught at yeah. the bar in Chapel Hill. Yeah. And he's not here. Amazing. He was there. I was with <laughs> one from Elon, my fiance from Elon. And across the, there was a pool table. Across the pool table stood the one from Chapel Hill. I'm like, I thought y'all were on break. Anyway, nice if y'all want to read about or hear about that one, there's another podcast. Yeah. I can't remember the name of it. I but can't either. We'll come up with it because we're not going to tell that story here or we'd be here forever. Anyway, <laughs> suffice to say, I got caught. Neither they, of those were the ones. And they asked me to make a decision. <clears throat> I made a decision, which of course was the wrong one. And so I ended up with neither one. Boom. And then the third one before I got married. Yeah was another dentist. Well, yeah. no figure. He was also my teacher at Central <laughs> Piedmont. <laughs> sorry. I'm Classic. so sorry. Classic. It was so bad. Did you think that one was actually going to follow through? I really did. I and really, then? And it was a lovely ring too. It was really pretty. And um, I did think that one was going to follow through. And it turns out he had an eye for other ladies. I had never been cheated on, to my knowledge. I was <laughs> always running the, the table. <laughs> I was, oh and he was cheating on me. And I was like, Incensed. what? Do what? So I broke up with him. That was the end of that. Yeah. So now are we in mid-20s? Where are we? No, I, mean, I got to 25 and okay. then I met Aubrey. Okay. And um, oh, love at First, boom, sight, sight. boom. Oh, yeah. We got married in a fever. I mean, we got married We got married eight months after we, almost to the day after we okay. met. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. It was strong. And y'all lived in Charlotte? Yeah, we lived in Charlotte. And how long till you had Clary? Uh, two years. Okay. And you weren't going to have a baby? Well, I was. Uh, can I go back on that? Because sure. this is an important point. I've always wondered why I was afraid. I was afraid sure. to have children. That's normal. I believed because I got enough of that Bible beat into me in the Southern Baptist uh, Church that I would be punished for having the abortion. And I've never actually told this, that I was afraid that God would punish me. And so I thought I should just not have children. I have chosen to give one up. So I should probably go childless. Mm. But I do remember the morning I woke up and I just was, and I, I had, I don't know. I just looked in the mirror and yeah. I just went, Oh my gosh, I want to have a baby. And I had this feeling that was so strong. And I just told Aubrey and, you know, Aubrey was like, yeah, okay, great. That's cool. And we, I got, we got pregnant fast with, with Clary and had her and the, and right after had her, here's another truth I've never told. I went, she's perfect. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm. And that's enough. <laughs> and I, and I like to say, oh, that was enough as in, I can't handle anymore. Mine was more like. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna push my luck here. Right. Uh, this I, is. I still had guilt. I mean, when I talk about people needing to go into therapy, I did, and that was because of the abortion. Mm -hmm. That was because of the uh, the shame and guilt I felt coming from not only a religious tradition but a community that I this society we live in that make have has women in a second class position mm -hmm. subjugated to the whims of a man. Sure. I'm like, you know, where is the fault of the young father? You're going to also ruin both of our lives. It was just mm -hmm. now that I can look back on it and in, in hindsight, because it, it really is clear in my eyes, 2020 now, because I was lucky that I had a mother that took care of me, that, I had this abortion, but even though, God, it all goes back to that abortion. I know. This is no joke, you all, but you have to allow it. And then you can't, or you can, but you can hope to support those people that do that. Because the reason I had one child is because I was afraid God would punish me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't bear anything going wrong. And I loved Clary to this I day know. so well, much. And whomever blessed you. Mm-hmm. Very, yes. very deeply, yes, richly. very much. And if we can, I want to kind of dip back into your mom for a minute because, mm. you know, here we are after what you have gone through, but also what she has gone through yeah. with three children, with Vietnam, yes. with trying to, you know, keep herself financially stable. Yes. She never remarried. remarried. Never remarried. Right? And, and used to tell me, I will and I, you know, every child wants to believe their parents had the greatest marriage on mm. the planet. I kind of think my parents did. And I could be wrong, but I saw them. 
And you, it's more than what you, they say to you. You see them together. And I really saw them. And she loved him. He loved her. There, theirs was a love match. She was burned hard by, um, she got married at 17 because she got pregnant. Ha! Isn't that strange? There you go. Um, and her first baby died. Mm-hmm. And she had my sister, my second baby, with this same guy who left her. Mm-hmm. For another woman, you know, my mother, think about the, where she came from. Yeah. And this all happened before she's 19 and she starts all this process at 17. She's been left by 19. Mm-hmm. And when she met my dad and it was the beginning of World War II or not the beginning, but it was during World War II and he had to go to the war or he chose to go to the war because he was already in his thirties. He's pretty old to go to war. Um, she said, I will not marry you until you return home safely. So she I wasn't going to be one of those widows, she just was like, I'm going to, I am going to set some terms in life. And I can look back and now and see how she had to do that within the constraints of her, her society. She was strong. Mm -hmm. And she said, and now I'll marry you. And it was a love match. It was embarrassing to us sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So she had your oldest sister and then waited for your dad to come home from war. Mm -hmm. They got married, had your brother, had you. And had me. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you feel like that pivotal time in your life, your teens and your 20s, what did she give you the most? Uh, Strength. Love. Mm -hmm. Oh, first love. Okay. Strength. Like, yeah, strength. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a whole lot of strength. You know, it's not martyrdom too. There's a difference difference in a strong woman who gives not out of being a martyr. My mother was never a martyr. She was never let you walk. Never you don't walk on her. Right. You don't walk on her. But her strength of character, her strength of love is who I want to be. Yes. You want to grow up. <laughs> you are. You are 100%. And I love that. Can I ask, so do you feel like with, the the multiple engagements are like your your penchant for these penchant for That's these a good word. men. Mm-hmm. Did your dad's death at that have yes. anything to do? Everything to do with okay. it. Okay. Uh, well, first I went back to the story with the reason my boyfriend and I even were together. But then I well, first of all, can I just say something for women? I had a great time with guys. Yeah, exactly. I love sex. Okay. <laughs> I I loved flirting. I loved being loved. I loved loving. I loved being alive and having fun. Yes. And I never understood why oh, I, I but it was beat into me that you know, don't be a wild woman. Mm-hmm. Don't be frivolous. Mm-hmm. Don't be this, that, and the other. Um, but I beat into you culturally, church. Culturally, your mom. church. You can't help it. If you're if you're Baptist, Baptist. Yeah. it's just, it's there. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually, I got some great learning things from there anyway. So I love that I was a Baptist and Christian, but, um, the thing about my dad dying. Yes. I, I was, I was searching, searching for, for a man. I, for, I mean, for, for two years of my life, I lost a dad and I, and I had an abortion. Right. So this is all happening at once. Death, death. And all of it feels very guilt ridden and driven from me. And so, some of it was the hell with it. Yes. And then some of it really, probably more of it was just like, I really enjoy the lusciousness of life. Right. And so. Makes sense. I'm going to, to do enjoy that. It. And then if somebody criticizes them, I'm, well, you're exactly right because I am all exactly. those things. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So just went to touch. No regrets, that. by the way. No, Not I don't think you one do of those any. on any of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Look, we're on. here where we are. Yeah. It's all worked out. I mean, yeah. I think that's the only way to look at it, really. Yeah. It's a long storied life and it's well, meant and to be. And how beautiful messy to get and older. beautiful. Yes. And it's funny how I tear up still and I, I, I mean, it's there. Right. Because life to me is so visceral and so yeah. I can touch it, taste it, feel it to this day, all the feelings. Yeah. And I don't want to lose that. Yeah. I, that's who we are. And for us to push that stuff down is just going to make us sick. And I love, I love love life. I love you. Yeah. I love the adventure that we have together. You know, I mean, we have, we have a lusciousness to our, our life that we, that just thrills me. Thank you. And I don't feel like getting to be 70. It's, 
is some kind of milestone. And and what right. I told you and Abby the other night, I'm like, I'm always going to be acting a little bit nuts. And people <laughs> think now it's just because I'm older. Nope. <laughs> no. Now it, we know. It's, it's just, just who you I are. Love life. And we're grateful for that. And I think that, you know, really explains why you are here. So youthful mm-hmm. and exuberant and in touch with life and feelings and being the Capricorn Aquarius grounded and creative all at once. It's a mesh. But don't don't land the plane. I want to go into motherhood and career. Uh, so first of yes. all, it's 1979. I'm born. What are you doing? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, I'm having a blast, actually. I had just gotten married. We and I were married, and we don't have Clary yet. And were, so, were you doing dental hygiene at this point? I did it for um, about six months after I got married. Okay. And then this is great thing about Aubrey Hilliard. He's like, Hey, why don't you just not work? I'm like, okay. Okay. So <laughs> I did. And I, I became this like lady of leisure for mm-hmm. just, I couldn't handle it very long. Yeah. Um, but we had a blast. We were just having fun. Fun. And then I, then I had that moment where I wanted to have Clary. Got it. Clary. Where were you going? Because I was going to say something. Oh, I was just like, okay, we're in the 80s. What's what's motherhood and your career in modeling? Yeah, motherhood was great, except that was terrified not. me. <laughs> it was like, oh, wow, they, this is 24-7, isn't it? She's um, still here. But I, I know. I really loved Clary. Uh, she was uh, – oh, still do. Okay. Yeah. Still do. <laughs> but as a baby, it was like – hard. Right. <laughs> and we didn't have nurses and things like that. You had your and, mom. Uh, I had my mom. Right. And I would call my mom at like four in the afternoon. She still worked. Okay. Mom, can you come by right <laughs> after work? She goes, I have 49 more minutes and I'll be there. So she would come oh. by, she worked in Charlotte and would, you know, rock Clary and do things while Aubrey and I would have dinner. That's really so fun. nice. It was lovely. And, um, yeah, so I was just having, a, you know, being a young mom was is what it is for all young moms, probably just mm-hmm. terrifying and beautiful and tired. You're just tired. Did you lose yourself? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know where I was. I thought I was just a feeding machine. Clary was like every two hours on the boob. I'm like, and then I remember binding my breasts. Sorry, guys, if you want don't want to know these things, I won't tell you. But I'm telling you. <laughs> I, I nursed her oh. for as long as I could. I mean, but at four months, I just put like ace bandages around. Oh my me. God. Like, We're going to learn to have some formula so I can leave the house uh-huh. so I can go to the bathroom. <laughs> she was like ravenous. Well, y'all are, have you, you met know, Clary? She tall. needed a lot of breast milk. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's funny. I know it's fun. And then I started modeling and uh, I started doing that when she was like, oh, what was she? I don't know, two, three, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Why modeling? Why not? I mean, because <laughs> they approached me. Okay, right. They approached me. They said, and I was like, oh, by the way, I have a child. You know, like, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not 16 anymore. Because I'd done a little bit when I was young, young. But, you know, here I was almost 30. Yeah, I was 30. And then 20, yeah, I was 30. I had a great modeling career starting at about 30. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a great local. I didn't go to New York and do all these things, but it was very... Bell. lucrative around here and awesome. in the southern part of the United States Region. went to went to some other places Chicago Midwest and things like that sometimes it never was straight up New York you know but I loved runway you're was, good at it I you still it. strut it I loved it it was fun okay you did say I was you were gonna say something and I think I pulled back um, I'm sorry that's okay that no I mean I just I think the every experience that I've had for instance going from motherhood, which was the most important move I ever made, mm-hmm. probably. And then going into my modeling, which everything I ever did was about, I wanted to see how I could change it and Interesting. do it. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I became a, an agent to this little group of people we had called the mannequins here in right. Charlotte. And I would book us out as a group, which made all my, our agents. I only had, I had my own agent, very upset with me. <laughs> But I was always uh, looking for a way to organize a group, not to, and to sometimes buck the system, okay. but also to make money. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's it's fascinating to me. Making money is not about the money, is which I do like, love actually, but it's also about the creativity of taking something that you're you have some ability to do, and really taking it as big as it can go. I love that. And so You're I I got a it. real t- I started with dental hygiene, but then I got a real taste of it with the modeling. 
but I loved modeling. It was one of the greatest laying the groundwork for it. And if you can be a model and handle all the things like the rejection, sure, as well as handle walking on the stage with 2000 people watching you walk and as well as all of the things that go along with the modeling world, then you can pretty much, you can handle life. (laughs) You know that life is not that important. You are an actor in this life. You're in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. my spirit is my spirit of Liz made like a whiz is not always what I'm doing. Right. But the inside of me, the inside of me had to always be in control. The whiz part had to always be in control, especially as a model, because you are hired on your looks. Yeah. That's a, yeah, you know, I, would, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't have done, done real well. I don't go on that. I didn't, right. I, I didn't believe it. I, I knew I wasn't pretty or the prettiest one in the room. I knew mm. I had something. Yeah. But I wasn't the prettiest one. a lot. Yeah. So I had to bring something else to the table. Well, you are the prettiest in the room. I think that. <laughs> You are, and you had so many great friends from that mm-hmm. time. I still do. That you still do. That was and a that good was crowd. another community thing. This is the thing that leads uh, me to Hilliard Studio about this stuff. Is that's when I realized women were not supporting each other, or women did not feel supported. So mm-hmm. I was thirty and had a lot of younger model friends, and I became this mama, the supportive. Yeah. We're going to take care of each other. I'm getting this job. I'm going to get you this job too. And by the way, you're going to pay me 20% when you do. Right. So it is that, <laughs> that like, was my business plan it was, wasn't all just like empowering women. No, I mean, you had a good no, business No, it plan. was, but it was I also know. teaching me and them. Right. How to when gr- you give, find an opportunity. Yeah, it's an opportunity. And you're not going to give your, you're not going to be the martyr. You're not going to be a martyr. You're going to be a partner. I've got this job. If you would like me to get you this job, I will. I will support you. What will you do? It's, yeah. It's, it's, to me, it's a real symbiotic exchange of energy like we do now. Exactly. I mean, paying for things are not a problem as long as what we re- get receiving is in return that equal amount of energy, energy back and forth. Right. You've always talked about that. Mm-hmm. As I'm now in my 40s, but growing up and going into adulthood, you always hear hear people say, well, wait, it's, you know, the 40s are the best, the 50s are the best, the 60s are Mm. the best. Like, did you, what what is your benchmark for that? Mm. Does it just keep getting better or was there one and why? What Mm. do you think happens to people and Mm. their lives and their relationships and their families and their career and their self-identity and esteem? Mm. Good question. And I think it's going to be different from everybody. I think the best part of life is that you do get to get older and that you can then look back because sometimes when you're having it, you don't know you're having it. I would say the fifties were maybe one of my favorite decades Okay, until the sixties because the sixties, wow, right. This was when it all changed. I mean, the fifties, I thought I got, I thought I was really cool and had it together in the forties, which I did. Heck, heck yeah, I did. Um, I would say the worst decade was probably the twenties, even though I was having a blast. I was Interesting. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. My uh, head was Head's like, not all straight. Yeah, you're like, who am I? The thirties, you're getting better. But when I when I hit fifty, I was cruising. Uh huh. And that's when I started Hilliard Studio Method, all those sort of things. But my sixties was when it all came down to, okay here's how it's going to get real now, Mm -hmm. getting real with you, Mm -hmm. um, making a life change that says no one has to get stuck in any place in their life. Right. And I'm not stuck now. As a matter of fact, I'm so excited about turning 70 that I'm like, okay, that number has a great ring. I like seven and I want to see what happens now and, or what I do to make it happen now. Cause what we do is things come to us. I think that we, that I know that we attract because the, the opportunities that have always come to me, I feel like I've attracted them to me. Right. And so I've got a lot of conscious areas that I'm bringing to me now. And the older I've gotten, the faster that happens. I'm, I'm more skillful and uh-huh. spiritually bringing things to me so that I can materially make them happen. This wow. makes sense? Uh, it does make sense because I know you and I see it work. And to me, you're like a magnet. I mean, and just listening to you talk, like I almost just burst into tears and I probably will because I'm just so grateful for you. I just ache to know everything about you and I'm so grateful you're here and I'm so grateful 
You're with me. Me too. I mean, I can't believe that I get to be with you because you have so much to give. I do. And I appreciate it more than anything in the world. And I just love you and I want to celebrate you forever. (laughs) Thank you. My gosh. You did There's not enough words. That makes me happy. There's not enough words. And I... You know, I'm not sad that I missed all those decades of your oh, life. You should never you know, have been around because would have, yeah. it would not have been good. I don't think we'd be where we are. No, we wouldn't. It's, it's fun to hear about. And I love you so much. And my heart is just so full for you. You know, any pain of yours is pain for me. But I know that it's just made you this beautiful being that you are. Thank you You're so much. <laughs> and, and thank you all for listening to us talk in yeah. this this moment because it, I, the gratefulness, the, the beauty of this aging process that we're all doing and you're aging, we're all aging, is being grateful for the experiences and the, yeah. and the, and the things that we already know. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes don't know we know it. That's exactly right. And we, we do. We know in, it. Yeah. And we think sometimes we're in the worst of the worst, the troughiest yeah. of the valleys. And yeah. to have that patient and patience and kind of see that as an experience mm-hmm. um, to get to the other side is usually miraculous and well worth it. Thank you. And, you know, I just realized that you said to, to me right before we came on the podcast and I was having a moment of upsetness. I was upset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really was. I mean, you know, things happen. Th- things happen. And so I hadn't quite processed that thing yet. And so by simply, you just gave me the the gift, really, I suppose, of reflecting on my life. Mm-hmm. And the words are powerful. The words we say are so powerful. And speaking it filled me back up with the, the need, the, the energy that I needed mm. to feel better about the circumstances that were happening. So thank you. Good. You're welcome. I just, I'm glad you feel better now. (laughs) And I don't, you know, mean to skate through 40, 50, 60. I think a lot of what we've talked about is 60s. I mean, what, is there anything kind of in those? Well, let me say this. Let me say this. We didn't talk about the 40s. And 40s are where a lot of people that are like coming to the studio are headed to or they're in it. Yes. Um, that is a, t- a period of real change. Mm-hmm. The 40s are where your body change starts to change like you did when you were going into adolescence. Right. So you're perimenopausal if you're a woman or you're, you're, if you're a man, you know, you're, you're sort of in your career. Our, we start to change. We start to go, oh, this is life. Yeah. Look at this life I've done or, or, or whatever's going on, divorces, changes in jobs and all those things. It, it can feel challenging. I thought yeah. I remember being uh, forty-two or three or something like that, and starting to notice my body not as nice as I wanted it, and having like a little yeah. <laughs> so we're having these conversations yes. now because you're forty-four, and so your body changes with the hormones and all that. But also, I was coming at the end of a modeling career, which, by the way, I was still modeling, and I just in these changes, you you really become a real adult. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you have to be. You're not just I mean, playing house you anymore. Have to, yeah, you really are. And you just have to take a little bit more responsibility, or I did. Right. Speaking right. for me. And I remember being sort of uh, devastated that I was no longer able mm. to run around and have fun being a model. And that sounds trite. It is what it is. But it, it really was a passion. Right. And so it was a passion that I had to take that passion and channel it to the next thing. And so then every time I see that something is coming toward a finish, now I'm not so sad about it. Oh. I notice it. I say, oh, I won't be sad because that has been incredible. Where does that lead? So where does the next step lead? That's beautiful. Yeah. And so That's that happened powerful. in the 40s a lot. Okay. 30s, you're just trying to Juggle. Breathe with children. <laughs> Breathing with children should be called the 40s, uh, the 30s. 30s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or suffocating. Yeah whatever. yeah, whatever it is. And then holding your breath. Then you're just cruising. I mean, if you can get to be where we are now, or I am now. Right. If you can, if you can stay healthy, please stay healthy mm-hmm. because it's worth living this long. It really is. And I hope if no matter what is going on in your life, however many years you have on this planet, I hope you're taking a moment to breathe it in and taste it and feel it and thank it. Thank God you're here. 
is so, it's such a gift to be alive. Yes. And I'm excited to be here. It's a gift for me and all of us. Do you have any, like, when you get to this point when you're approaching 70, do you have any feelings about that other than- Except laughter. (laughs) Besides laughter, I'm like, what? 70? Right. Um, It just is- I, I'm, I'm at the, I'm in the winter time of my life. Right. So generally we don't live much past a hundred, right? <laughs> so I know that I'm, if I'm really fortunate and continue to be healthy, I've got 20, 30 years, maybe, maybe I don't, but that's okay too, because I feel comfortable in my passion for life. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to say two words in the same sentence, passion, comfort, (laughs) because passion leads to discomfort, but being comfortable with the uncomfortable of change and embracing it is my passion. And that's what I will continue to do until the breath is done. So please do. I will with you. I hope. Yes, please. (laughs) I'll be there. I will be here. I will be there. I'll be anywhere you are. Me too. I love you. I love you too. Thank you for sharing. Thank you all. Appreciate that. That was a lot. (laughs) I like it. Thanks. Love you. I love you. Thanks for listening to us today, wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, you can now find our podcast on YouTube. Yeah. If you liked it, please share, rate, and review. We love five stars and we hope you'll work out with us online or in studio at hilliardstudiomethod.com.